You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 58. Well, welcome back, Curd Nerds. I'm Gavin Webber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, I have not been busy in the kitchen this weekend. I've been doing other things. I have been making cheese making videos. Uh, I just uh, completed making a video about cheese making equipment. People have been asking me about what are the basic sorts of equipment do do they need to um, to start making cheese in their own uh, their own kitchen. Um, so I decided to make a, a whole video about it, and uh, it, it's not very long because most kitchens, well-stocked kitchens, have all the equipment that people need, and there's only a few basics that uh, the people need. And you know, you need a a fairly um, decent-sized pot, at least um, eight liters or or two gallons. You need a stirring spoon, stainless steel. Uh, that's a good start, anyway. Uh, you need a long knife to cut curds if you're going to do that. You need some sort of cheesecloth. Um, you need a colander. And to make your first basic cheese, that's about it, really. Um, that's all I can think of. Um, and with those simple utensils, you can make a basic ricotta. Uh, that's for sure. And probably even uh, a quick mozzarella. So... To make cheese in your own home, you don't need a lot of equipment. But anyway, look out for that uh, that video that'll be coming up soon on cheeseman.tv. But anyway, uh, today's email questions are uh, are going to be taken from Ask the Cheese Man episode uh, eight and nine. So um, here they are. Uh, the first one is from Phoenix2MN from YouTube. Um, Phoenix asks, Hi Gavin, I recently listened to your podcast on starter cultures and moulds. I'm still a little bit confused about which to use. I have a couple of books that are very specific on the type of mesophilic. Uh, brackets, she lists a few there. Mesophilic 1, Mesophilic 2, Mesophilic 3, C101, MO30, etc. To use. Right now, all I have is C101. Can I use that for all the recipes that call for mesophilic, or should I be getting these different strains? Thanks. Well, the answer to that, so C101 is a mesophilic culture sold by um, New England Cheese Making Supplies uh, over there in the US. Uh, and it's actually a pretty good all-rounder as far as mesophilic cultures goes. It uh, has similar strains to the one I use on most of my videos, which is MO30 by Sacco. Uh, they contain, both these contain uh, the same strains of bacteria, which are Lactococcus lactis subspecies lactis and Lactococcus lactis subspecies cremorus. So those two bacterias or lactic bacterias are the ones that give the, 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 the cheese the final properties it has. It con converts the lactic acid 
into, sorry, converts the lactose into lactic acid. Uh, and they're good for cheeses such as cheddar, uh, Monterey Jack, Stilton, Eden, Edam, uh, Chowder, Munster, um, any other sorts of blue cheeses, and Colby. I also use them for cheeses, um, English-style cheeses, based on the cheddaring process like Leicester, uh, Derby, Gloucester, um, those sorts of cheeses. It's a good all-rounder. Uh, don't get this confused with aromatic mesophilic culture because that actually has two more strains of lactic bacteria in them, um, which creates not only a lovely aroma, um, but a more buttery taste in the mouth. So where it says use aromatic mesophilic, um, search down some. There are quite a few on the market. Some we hold in our store, uh, MO36R by Sacco, which is an aromatic mesophilic. And Floridanica is another one um, made by C.H.R. Hansen. So hopefully that answers your question, Phoenix. Uh, thanks for sending it in. Uh, there's another question by Tom. And Tom says, um, sometimes there are lots of bubbles, probably CO2, in my cheese. Where is the mistake? Uh, acidity, question mark. Uh, after draining, by hanging in cotton cloth, I press it for some time and then take it out to salt it and let it drain for one day before putting it into salty water. During the period of pressing and drying into shape, it is already developing a lot of small bubbles inside. The temperature during that time is always constant, but I'm thinking it is influenced by the quality of the rennet that may not be constant, and I also suspect that it might not be Sorry, that it might be the acidity of the milk because our goats are fed 90% outdoors in a forest and field and that just, uh, and the seasoned leaves or grasses they are eating could affect the milk quality slash acidity. We do not cook the milk, we just warm it up fresh uh, around 35 Celsius before putting in a rennet. Rightio. So, a bit difficult to diagnose, but we'll give it a go, uh, Tom, and we'll see what it's see what it's like. All right. So it sounds to me, and this has happened to me before. If you check out my video uh, when cheese fails and uh, have a look at the parmesan that uh, grew a big CO two bubble in the middle, um, I diagnosed that because it, I think it got um, infected by a bacteria or a yeast known as chloroforms. Uh, sorry, chloriforms or candida uh, in the milk. So these are bacteria and yeasts, and they actually produce CO2. What you can do to stop that from happening is you may have to pasteurise the milk uh, before using it and then introduce a starter culture, uh, let that uh, acidify the milk, and then add your rennet. It can also be a case of inadequate ac acidification in the milk, um, because what that does is cause more whey retention, uh, which allows a more favourable environment for these sorts of organisms to produce gas or CO2 um, within the cheese. So what you could do is increase the amount of starter culture um, to overcome the uh, low acidity um, of the cheese. So that should work. Thanks for the question, Tom. Uh, the next one is from Bob, and Bob sent this in via email. Uh, says, hi, Gavin. I've just made Yalesburg twice, 
and each time the wax cheese swells like yours in the video but then receded so when I opened it in so when I opened it the eyes were tiny and horizontal did I wait too long to open or what might be the cause thanks very much uh, well this actually happened to me when I was making Emmentaler or Emmental, which is a Swiss type cheese, Alpine type cheese, which actually has eyes as well. So what I recommend is uh, instead of waiting, I think it was about six weeks at room temperature, about 18 degrees Celsius, mature it at, sorry, at the room temperature, 18 degrees Celsius for four weeks instead of six, and then put it back into the cheese cave at 13 degrees Celsius or 55 Fahrenheit, and that will not only slow down the production of CO2, it will actually make sure that the paste doesn't get too flexible or too runny so it doesn't then fall back on itself. Um, hopefully then you won't lose your eye formation, um, which is a good thing. That's my main suggestion. Now, if you think it is swollen up so much um, and you do start to see it deflate, if you really want to stop any uh, of the... Uh, uh, Propionic Shimani development, which produces the CO2 um, eyes in your cheese. Pop it back in the normal kitchen fridge overnight to cool it down down to 4 degrees Celsius. Um, and then you can pop it back in the cheese fridge. Uh, and hopefully it won't collapse on you and you'll still have lovely eyes in your cheese. Now we've got one single question here today. And... It's from uh, Fadion, and Fadion's from Albania. And it took me about five, maybe six, five or six emails back and forth uh, to figure out what was actually wrong. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you the short version, um, but it's quite interesting. Um, it, it often takes me, you know, I do these question-answer sessions basically for free. You know, I provide them as entertainment. And I do put a lot of work into these things. So I do pride myself on getting the answer correct and helping the, the cheese maker in whatever issue um, that they're having. Um, having said that, I didn't expect this to go back and forth for five or six times. Anyway, so let's get on with what uh, Fadion um, asked. So Fadion says, hello and thanks for your video. Um, I think she was talking about, or she or he, I'm not sure if it's a man or a lady, and so I apologise in advance. Uh, this was, uh, doesn't say anything about which video it was for, but anyway, so we'll continue. Um, I only knew that cheese could be coagulated with lemon juice, but your videos have opened up a whole new world of cheese to me. Uh, I'm now in my third batch with basically the same results. So I would appreciate some tips on getting raw cow's milk from a trusted farmer. Just a couple of hours ago, I used 1.5 litres of milk, heated up a simmer and let it cool. When it reached about 38 Celsius, I added half a tablespoon of recently bought liquid animal rennet, covered the pot with a thick cloth and let it rest for an hour. The milk did coagulate, but it's very soft. Tried the finger test, but it's nowhere as firm as in your videos. I uh, cut it in one centimetre cubes, and immediately after stirring, they broke into tiny pieces. 
The same thing has happened with the other two batches, so I know I'm missing something. I want to try to do some bigger batches, try some culture, or even get a wine cooler for ageing, but I'm messing up even with such a simple cheese. Uh, some ideas would really help. Thanks a lot. So in between, there was some to and fro. Now, initially, I thought there was something to do with acidification because there was no mention of adding a starter culture or anything like that. Um, because when the milk's not adequ adequately acidified, the rennet won't set. So that was my initial diagnosis. Um, however, there was an email where uh, Fadion mentioned that um, they did something after boiling the milk. So here's my response here. Hi, Fadion. Did you say you boil the milk first? Question mark. Did you mention, you didn't mention that in your first email. I just assumed you heated it. If you do boil the milk, then that will be the issue. Boiling breaks down the protein structure of the milk and makes it almost impossible to get a good firm curd set. Let me know if that's the case. Um, however, if you want to make your milk safe, then use the low temperature, long hold pasteurization method, uh, better known as LTLH. Uh, heat your milk to 58 to 68 Celsius or 135 to 155 Fahrenheit and hold it for a full 30 minutes. Then cool it down to the target temperature for cheese making. Now, if you want to store the milk uh, beforehand, heat it down to four degrees Celsius really quickly um, using an ice water bath around the pot that you just uh, heated the milk up in. So this pasteurized this pasteurization method is prefer preferred because it doesn't kill as much of the bacterial, beneficial bacterial enzymes in the milk and it uh, increases the flavour of the milk. So that's um, low temperature, long hold pasteurisation. Now don't forget to add your calcium chloride before adding um, the rennet to get a really good curd set. So uh, Fadian's reply was, uh, Hi Gavin, I was thinking that I may haven't mentioned that. Yes, I do boil the milk for safety. Although I source it through a trusted farmer, the cows aren't free-ranging, which is impossible to find here. I just made a batch with raw milk and it turned out perfect, with a strong curd that held its shape even after 10 minutes of stirring. I don't know why I tried. I didn't try raw milk before instead of boiling and blaming my technique. Thanks a lot for your uh, LTLH pasteurization, pasteurization sesh, suge, thanks a lot for your LTLH suggestion. Uh, I'll definitely try it that way. Many thanks, Fadian. So there you have it. Whatever you do in cheese making, if you're sourcing raw milk, please don't boil it first and then attempt to make cheese. Because basically what you're doing is the same as ultra-pasteurisation. Uh, you're killing the protein structure in the milk. Um, very similar to what they do with um, UHT milk. Uh, they basically flash heat it uh, and then flash cool it. Uh, flash heat it past boiling point and flash cool it. Um, but you would have seen that in one of the previous 
Ask the Cheese Man videos. So there you have it. It took me a while to diagnose. I had to think about it, but uh, I certainly did not um, uh, stop trying to figure out what was wrong. So it's questions like these that certainly make my day when I get them right and I get an answer back from the, the recipient who uh, says it all worked out for them. So keep the emails coming in. Don't forget that you can leave it via a comment um, on my YouTube channel. So in the discussion tab uh, of the channel, which is uh, cheeseman.tv. So please do that. I've got no issues with that at all. Or shoot them through to um, go to littlegreencheese.com uh, and you can ask a question in the contact me page. Um, so they're the two preferred methods. Uh, so I don't have to go digging for questions that people are asking. I do have one other ask though. Don't ask the question super urgently like you're halfway through a cheese session because Australia's quite a way away from most of the places where uh, you actually watch these videos. And I'm usually in bed when you're asking your question and making your cheese. So I won't get to you in time. Uh, I'm not like the um, emergency department of a hospital. Yes, yeah, so, so I have had a few of those um, requests recently. Please don't do that because I can't guarantee a response. Well, there you have it. Yes, contrary to popular belief, I'm not the emergency department for cheese. That was just a joke, guys. So, yeah, keep sending your questions in. Pop over to... Um, littlegreencheese.com and go to the contact me page and fill in the little form and you can shoot through your questions just don't make them super urgent as I requested in the uh, Ask the Cheese Man uh, session there on YouTube uh, we have one voicemail question today and it's from John Lund let's just play that now shall we Hi Gavin John from Denmark I have a question regarding raw goat milk. I listened to your guideline regarding the low temperature long hold you was mentioning about to a guy in, I think it was in Albania. However, if I'm using this method, do I need to add calcium chloride? That would be interesting. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, thanks for your question, John. Uh, pleasure as always. John's been on the show many times, and he's a, a regular customer over at uh, littlegreenworkshops.com.au. Uh, to answer your question, John, uh, yes, you would just need to add the normal amount of calcium chloride. It wouldn't hurt. Uh, it doesn't uh, add any um, bad flavours or impart any nasty stuff to the, the goat's milk. I would add it anyway to help uh, firm up the curd. Even though it is a low temperature pasteurisation, uh, you may get a little bit of a curd structure loss. So add it anyway. Uh, it will not hurt your cheese making endeavours using raw goat's milk, which I have heard on the Facebook group that we're in. Uh, curds and way down under uh, that you have managed to get your hands on some so well done mate uh, and uh, g'day from uh, from Australia 
Now, anybody can leave a question, a voicemail on the show and uh, have it read out um, at the end of the show. If you pop over to the contact me page of littlegreencheese.com, there is a speak pipe widget. You just click on the button and use the internal microphone on your computer or your mobile device and you will be able to record a message for me and I'll answer it back uh, via the show. And if it is urgent, then within a day or so, I'll be able to answer it back um, via your voicemail. <laughs> oh, there's John's goat. For upcoming workshop dates, cheese making recipes, and my ebook Keep Calm and Make Cheese, just pop over to littlegreencheese.com. The cheesemaking book is available in PDF format on the site and is also available in all good ebook retailers. Don't forget that you can buy cheesemaking kits, supplies and equipment over at littlegreenworkshops.com.au. We ship almost internationally. Thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next exciting episode of the Little Green Cheese Podcast. During this episode, you heard Malt Shop Bop and Call to the Dairy Cows by Kevin McLeod. See ya.